things in our life that you want us to lay down, to surrender to you. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Go ahead and open our Bibles. Turn over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, Iris. <clears throat> and we're going to be in chapter 4 there. The title of today's message is God Can Keep Your Dreams. Keep, keep them, you know, protect them. And uh, you'll notice that we have the kids in with us today. Welcome, kids. Welcome, guys. They're with us because Miss Barbara is recovering from some dental work. So please be in prayer for her, and you guys too. You, you be in prayer. Ask God to heal her quickly. Amen. I'm especially glad to have the kids with us today because we're talking about something that many Christians learn the hard way. And um, it doesn't have to be that way. So if you young ones listen closely, this will be a great help to you later in your life. And for those of us who sometimes feel like we're learning the lesson over and over again, let's just try to get it, you know. And yeah, I do have questions for you, for you kids So at the end, so if we have time. So let's jump right in here. We're going to read a little bit about the prophet Elisha and an important lady. And, uh, you know, God... You know, um, you know, you had the prophet Elijah. A lot of people talk about Elijah more than they talk about Elisha. Elisha was right after Elijah. And so sometimes we get ourselves confused and, um, with which one we're talking about. But this is the prophet Elisha. He had a traveling ministry. He went from place to place and did as God told him to do. And uh, so down here in verse 8, we'll, we'll see where he's, he's on one of these, these journeys here where he's doing something for God. So Second uh, Kings... Chapter 4, verse 8 says, One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. And, uh, you know, in another version of this, it says, where she talks to her husband, she says, I'm sure that this man who stops in, it says, she said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. In other words, over time, see, because apparently Elisha never said, I'm, I'm a prophet. He just stopped in from time to time to have, share a meal with this, with this couple, you know. And I'm sure they had uh, good times, good fellowship, you know. Um, but uh, just over time, as she was offering hospitality to Elisha, in her heart, she eventually came to the conclusion that this is a man of God. This is, this is a, a man who God is using. Okay? And, you know, again, he's a prophet, but he apparently didn't make a big deal about it. He just stopped in from time to time, never said anything. He just traveled place to place as God led him. And this woman had provided him a regular place for, to stop in for a meal. Now, that's a blessing to somebody who's traveling a lot. Especially, it's a familiar place. He can, he can stop in. 
um, have a meal with people who he's grown accustomed to seeing, and they're, they're, they've probably become friends of his, you know. And so it's a great blessing. And, uh, you know, especially in times when he's walking everywhere. There's no planes, trains, or automobiles, you know. And so I just really want you to see here that before, we, before the story even really starts, because the story hadn't even really started yet, before it even really starts, there's a lot going on already, okay? Some people have called this a strange story in the Bible, but there's really so much we can learn from this. So this, this woman, she makes this confident proposal to her husband, you know, let's, let's build a small room for this man on the roof so he'll have a place to stay. Really, she's going above and beyond. You know, actually, she's already taken initiative and done something that other people could have done but did not do, you know, offering him a meal every time he comes through. But now she's taking it a step further. In her heart, she knows that Elisha is a man who's doing God's work, doing God's will, and she decides she's going to help in that work. Or you could say she actually, she may not really realize the, how, how far this is going, but really she's actually investing in God's work. She's actually partnering with God in ministry, even though all she's doing is offering a meal and a place to stay. She's actually partnering with God. And a lot of times people don't realize how much these, those kinds of things mean to God. Okay? But she just makes this decision to, to, uh, to this decision for God, this decision to do something for God. And it's, up, it's completely up to her. It, you know, it doesn't say that God appeared to her and said, I want you to provide. I mean, God did that, things like that in the Old Testament. From, you know, and, and, and in the New Testament, too, God, God would, would, would say, hey, God, there's someone coming along. I want you to provide a meal for him or whatever. But, but God didn't, he apparently didn't do this. Apparently, this woman is just taking initiative on her own because she perceives that this is a man of God. Okay. So he doesn't even ask for a room. She just does it. You know, she just resolves in her heart, I'm going to do more for God than I'm doing now. You know, and it pleases God when we approach him for no other reason than the fact that we've decided to. That's pleasing to him. And so look at verse 11 with me. It says, one day Elisha returned to Shunem and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell this woman or tell the woman from Shunem that I want to speak with her or tell her I want to speak with her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, um, well, well, before I get ahead of myself here, we have to remember that in, that in, well, okay, so, yeah, let's go ahead and read verse 14. It says, later Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? He's like, there must be something we can do. There must be something. So he's like, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Okay, um, so you have to remember that in those times, having children was a big deal, very big deal. If, if this woman's husband died while they had no son, she would have lost all her property. But more importantly, her family would have no heir and the family would not survive. Really, she would have no future. And actually, it, it looks to me like this, from this story that this, she's kind of already resolved. We don't have any children. That's okay. I'm just gonna, we're just going to live day to day. We're going to thank God. We're going we're gonna to help God in whatever we can do. You know. So uh, look at verse 15 with me. This is Elijah, Elisha speaking. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. 
Oh, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't, don't deceive me. I get my hopes up like that. <laughs> but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Sorry, this story chokes me up a bit, but it's all right. So, okay, so many times in my life, in my ministry, I've seen someone make a decision for Jesus, and immediately he does something awesome for them. Okay? I haven't seen him fix everything in their life right away. He hasn't, you know, it's not like he, he, he redeems everything right away, but he usually does something big for them. I've seen it. And this is a good example of that. This woman didn't even consider having a son to be possible. You know, to, to her, it was so not possible that she didn't even think to ask for a son. She, she, she's sure Elisha's a holy man of God. When he says, what can we do for you? She's like, nothing, it's okay. I've got everything I need. Okay. And, you know, some people might say, well, she didn't ask for a son, but Elisha didn't ask for a room either. And then on the other side of it, too, you can see from her response that even though she says, no, don't, you know, even though she responds in the negative, you can see that, that this having a son was one of her heart's deepest desires. You can see that because she says, don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up about that dream. That dream died a long time ago. <laughs> but God can keep dreams that are pleasing to him. And he can restore dreams that seem dead. But here's the most important part of this lesson, guys. When you take, and, and, and this is where I'm going to, you know, take a step aside from this miracle that God's done for her, just for a second. Because when you take a big stand for God in your life, when you make a decision that you're going to do something for God, trouble will come your way just because you made that decision. To paraphrase Jesus, when he taught the parable of the sower, he said a farmer went out to scatter seed. He said some seed fell on the shallow soil where there was no depth of earth. He said, but the, the seed sprang up quickly because there was no depth of earth. But when the sun came out, it scorched, it, it, it withered the plants because they had no root. They had no anchor. They had, they had, they hadn't, the root hadn't gone down deep. Okay. And Jesus said, the seed is God's word. You remember? He said, the seed is God's word. And he said, and the seed that fell on the shallow soil is those people who hear God's word, and they immediately receive it with joy. But when trials and persecution come because of the word, you can go back and you read in Matthew 4. He said, the trials and tribulations, the persecution comes because of the word that was planted in their heart. So he said they, they, they fall away. Why? Because that, that person didn't have, they didn't, they didn't take root they didn't make that decision that no matter what happens, I'm going to stay. I'm going to, I'm going to keep this word that I got from God. Okay. So Jesus said it's guaranteed that when a person makes a decision for God, trouble and or persecution will come into their life because of the decision they made for God, because of the word that they received in their heart. Okay. But I will say that from personal experience, personal experience, just living, that if you make a stand for God in your life, whenever trouble comes up, if you stick it out long enough, eventually things will calm down and you'll have a time of refreshing from God. I've lived it several times. Not saying that you won't have trouble again. 
But each time you trust in God and you come through it, your faith has an opportunity to grow stronger. Christians don't like to talk about suffering, but Hebrews 5 said that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Yeah. It says that. God doesn't send us problems, but he will use them to grow us up in him. And he gives us what we need to get through the problems so that we can help others who go through the same things. Paul talked about the New Testament. If there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any consolation consola- to, to console, if there's any consolation in Christ, and then he said, and then we can comfort others who are going through the same things after we've been consoled. Amen. Let's keep reading the story of the Shunammite woman. Verse 18. This is where she comes into hardship. One day when the child was older, he went out to help his father. This is the miracle child. This is the child that, that was born from the promise. Okay, out of the promise. It says, uh, so um, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and get a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. See, he doesn't know the child's dead. He's like, it's not a special holy day. Why are you going, you know? But she said, it will be all right. Actually, um, that word she used there, if you look it up in the concordance, it's shalom, shalom. Shalom, peace, blessing, health, prosperity. It, this is, she says that in faith. It will be all right. It, it will, it, it, peace. You know. But you can still see that she is still in pain and grief. You remember when that, that Jesus wept right before he raised Lazarus from the dead? I've heard many ministers try to give reasons why Jesus wept, and I'm like, it doesn't say why Jesus wept. But just because he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead doesn't mean he didn't still feel grief. So verse 24. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. Again, that's shalom, shalom. She said that again. She's just like, I'm, 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 I've got a mission. You know, it will be all peace, you know. Verse 27. Um, well, I, I'll just say this. It, this is kind of tied to what we talked about earlier. Sometimes you've got to hold fast the confession of your faith even when you're, you don't feel it. You know, and feelings, you know, they're not the end-all, be-all. They are, they are a, a, a response, a physical response to what you go through. But you have a choice through feelings, you know. So, I mean, I mean, God's told me before, you know, I told him, I said, Lord, I'm just holding fast the confession of my faith. I'm just saying I believe I'm healed. I was believing for healing for a cold. He said, your heart's not in, in agreement with your confession. <laughs> he said that after a couple of days, and I'm like, Oh, now see, that's different because I hadn't surrendered that. I hadn't, I hadn't yielded and, and, and made sure that my heart was in agreement. But sometimes you just have to make the confession of faith 
and the feeling component, like I said earlier, will catch up if you continue on right. Amen. So uh, she says, shalom, shalom. Everything, it's, it, everything will be fine. Verse 27, but when she came to the man, man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Now, I need to say this, guys. If you're in a desperate situation and God is not saying anything, don't panic. Don't panic. You know, just do what you know is best until God says something. Okay? Be listening. Elisha is listening. Notice he said, God hasn't said, he hasn't told me what it is. So he's listening. He hasn't heard anything yet. So he's like, leave her alone. God hasn't said anything yet. He hasn't told me what it is. Verse 28, then she said, did I ask for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. Now, um, I'll say this. I don't, I don't have a lot, uh, as, you know, as much insight into the story as I would like about some of the things that we see here. But a staff in the word represents God's authority. So even though, it, it, he, he, so Elisha is not necessarily looking for the staff to bring the child back from the dead. He's just saying, go establish God's authority over this situation. Lay, lay, the, lay the staff over the child's face. That's, that's what I take from this. Okay, so you can take it for what it's worth. All right, so he immediately takes action. Get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is still dead. So Gehazi apparently was expecting something to happen, but Elisha wasn't necessarily. He just gives Elisha the report. Elisha doesn't say anything. Okay? Again, you know, we don't see Elisha panicking. He's just, he's doing what he knows best until he hears something from God. So in a tough situation, keep your head and trust your relationship with Jesus. Trust that you are in relationship with him. Okay? All right, so verse 32. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth in the child's mouth, his eyes in the child's eyes, and his hands in the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out on the child again. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. So again, I can't tell you the significance of the sneezing of the seven times and, and uh, Elisha stretching himself out on the boy. I bet you there is some. And you know, that's kind of the way it is with your relationship with God. You don't always understand everything right away. But as you walk on, sometimes he gives you some understanding, and oh, that's why that happened. Okay, that's why that person said that to me all those years ago, or whatever. You don't need to know it all right away. 
But really, what I want you to see is that there's no miracle formula here. It's not like, okay, if you come across somebody who's dead, all you got to do is do exactly what Elisha did. No. No, Jesus healed many blind people, but with only one of them did he make mud with his spit and rub it into the man's eyes. You know, God can heal a person in more than one way. God's not limited to restoring your situation in only one way. Jesus, Jesus lived by that principle. See that his his, his principle because because people people have, have tried to just kind of copy the things that Jesus did and hope that it worked out, and that you know you can't just you know I mean it makes you wonder how many blind people have ended up with mud in their eyes, you know because the person didn't take time to listen to what God said they just said oh well Jesus did this so I'm a no, see, because that's just a formula. That's just a, that doesn't require any relationship with God. But Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do, which means that every time he healed somebody in different ways, he, the Father was showing him a different way. You know, and really, that's just the avenue by which God released his power. I mean, he could, he could heal anybody, anytime, any, any, any place he wants. You know, so... Notice that when Elisha came into the room and the child lay there dead, the first thing he did was shut the door and pray. It doesn't say how long he prayed. could have been a long time before he got any direction to, to get up and do what he did. He prayed to God. Okay? So that's the relationship. That's the, God, what do I do? Okay? See, some people turn back from following God because they think he's taking too long to speak to them or to help them. But God doesn't always do things quickly. That's just, you know, if they want relationship with God, they're going to have to do it on his terms. He doesn't always do it quickly. And really, God knows exactly how much time is necessary in every situation. So we can't get impatient with God after we make a decision for God. Don't get impatient with him. <laughs> and don't pray for patience either. The Bible doesn't say to pray for patience. The Bible says be patient. You pray for patience, you're just asking for trouble, I'll tell you. But, see, God can keep whatever dream that we've given him to hold. This dear woman lost her dream when her son died. Lost it. She could have just closed the door on her dream and let let her dream die you know when she closed the door on the child and she when she could have just she could have just i mean what what would have happened if she hadn't gone and sought out elisha but no she saddled her donkey and she went she went after she's like we have to something needs to be done about this and she had the expectation that god could do something about it I heard Brother Hagen one time say, got, the Holy Spirit told him, said, if you, can just, if you can just get people to expect, just expect, expect God to do something. Just teach people to expect. So now, the story didn't end here. You know, God still had more to do for her. Look, it's, we're in chapter 4. Move over to chapter 8. And I woke up this morning and God gave me something, too, in addition to this. not the thing. Neither is that. Uh, so before we, before I move on to this little 
this little sequel, I guess you could call it a sequel to her story, is that, you know, like we, we spend a lot of time talking about how this woman made this decision to help, to, to help in God's work, to, to partner with God in his work, even if she didn't fully understand exactly what she was doing. But really, you know, anything, anything that you do for God, genuinely, that you're doing, I'm doing this for God. Anything that you do genuinely for him, that gives the devotion that you have for him substance. You know, faith is the substance of things not seen. But anything, but you know, you have devotion for God. It's like you, you husbands, if you, if you do something, if you do something for your wife, I mean, say not even, it's not even your anniversary or, or anything. It's just you decide to get her a, a, you know, get her some flowers, anything like that. She may not have any, any doubt that you are devoted to her, but when you do that thing, that, that, that gives the devotion you have substance. It's, 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 it's strong evidence, it's proof, it's something tangible that I am devoted to you. So any work that you do for God that is genuine, it gives the devotion that you have for him substance, okay? And it's not, I mean, God already knows it's there, but the people in, around you see it, and they can see, ah, this person really loves God. Because people can, a lot of times, we don't give people enough credit, so a lot of times they can, they can tell what our motives are when we do things. You know, anyhow, that's just something that the Lord shared with me this morning that I thought was good. So, so chapter eight here, this is the little sequel to her story. It says, Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life. So this is after, after he, uh, he, the son was brought back to life. Take your, sometime after, take your family and move to some other place for the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So you can see this is, God is still working in this lady's life. It's interesting, isn't it? And she's just, she's just a, um, I mean, yeah, she's a, she's a wealthy lady from that area, but she's, she's not, she's not, she's not a, 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 a the prophet, the priest, or the king. She's not, she's not anybody who we would consider to be extremely important, okay? But God's still working in her life. So verse 2, it says, So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. See, because if she left and there's no one there to take care of it, that land would have reverted back to the king, and the king can do whatever he wants with it. Essentially, it's the king's property. I mean, you see that that's not just uh, in this nation. It's in, been, been in many nations. So that's just kind of a standing rule. It's like if you leave, then your stuff becomes the king's, and he can do whatever he wants with it. So she comes back to see if she can get her, her house and land. Verse 4. It says that she came in. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. God is so good. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true? The king asked her, and she told him the story. So now she told him the story. Gehazi would, already told him the story, Okay. Gehazi just told the king the story, and now she says, is this true? And the lady, had, she wasn't in there when Gehazi said, told, told him the story. 
She walks in after the, the king has heard the story, and then he says, is this true? And she tells him the story in exact detail because she lived it. All right? So it says she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. Huh. So, see, this is, this is amazing. Whatever, she's able to tell the story in detail. See, whatever Jesus has done for you, you can tell people in the smallest detail because you were there while God was making it happen. This woman's story was so powerful that the king said, you can have everything back. Everything. It's yours. And he even went so far as to appoint someone to go with her and make sure that everything that she lost was restored to her. It wasn't just go back to your, your property, you can have it all back. No, we're going to send someone official, and they're going to make sure you get everything back. And then on top of that, see, you remember in Psalm 23, it said, my cup runs over. On top of that, not only did she get her house and her land back, not only did she get her son back, but the king gave her money for all the crops her land had produced when she wasn't even living there. During those seven years, that land belonged to him. But he's like, Give her, give her the worth of all the crops that we harvested during those seven years. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? Because what God does for one, he'll do for another. It's just that some people have turned back from following God too soon, or they changed their mind about the decision they made for him before God could restore to them what they have lost. I've seen it happen. And the result is that what they lost remains lost. And that's a tragedy. So let's not give up on God. Because he, didn't, he doesn't give up on the people, on us. You know, he doesn't give up on us. Even if we think that we're not worth his time. You know. This dear woman thought she wasn't important enough for God to take notice of her and grant her a son. You know, most of us aren't called to be kings or presidents or governors or senators or anything like that. Most of us aren't called to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, or prophets, apostles, you know. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that God won't use us in powerful ways. Because it meant so much to Elisha just to have a place to stay as he was traveling. See? So if God has called you to be an accountant or in law enforcement or a nurse or a stay-at-home parent or anything else, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you can still follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and be used mightily of God. So I'm going to read one last part of, of Scripture before we close. This is 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it. So listen to these words that Paul wrote. He says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either because I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. 
And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. Really, you could, you could insert whatever you are in there. God called me to be a blank, fill in the blank. Because God doesn't, he's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't he say, okay, well, Paul was an apostle, so he's more important. No. You could insert any, what you are in there. God chose me to be a blank, a teacher of this good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. <laughs> See, it's not just, that's the one side. You know, when you, when, you, when you say out loud, Jesus is Lord, when you accept him into your heart, you believe that God's raised him from the dead, when you become a saved person, it's not just him calling you now to live a certain way. That is certainly a part of it. And it's not just him saying, I have assignments for you to fulfill on the earth. But when you give him your heart, you are actually entrusting things to him. Okay? You're trusting him. And, he's, and Paul said he's able to keep it. He's able to guard it. Whatever you've entrusted with God, he can guard it until the day of his return. Amen? Ah, okay. Just remember, and also sometimes he'll do something for you that's totally unexpected. Like he did for the woman. You might say, God, I didn't even ask for that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is just because, and, and see, this is just because she made a choice to do something for God on her own. That's, 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 see, it's like she involved herself with God, so God involved himself with her life. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this word, and we thank you, Lord, that we can, we, we don't have to wait for you to call us or initiate, you know, we can initiate an involvement with you. We can get, draw close to you on our own, just as, a, just as a decision in our own heart, Lord. And so I thank you for that, Lord, and we just ask, Lord, that this, uh, this word that you have planted in our heart, you would help us to let it grow deep and, and take, to, to take root, to anchor into our heart, Lord, so that when we come into uh, trials and tribulations, that we can weather the storm, that the choice is, is to hold fast to you uh, is, is, a, is an easy choice to make, Father, to just hold fast to you. And I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, everyone, I'm going to go ahead and, I mean, we're 15 minutes early yet, but I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you anyway if you have to be somewhere because I'm going to, uh, I've got some questions for the kids. Okay, guys, are you, are you paying attention? You ready? Yeah. yeah I'm like, are you paying attention? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Did I put you to sleep? All right. I'm gonna, uh, these are all true or false this time, okay? All right. Yeah. Riley, are you, are you, you answering questions today? Yeah? You don't have to. All right. <clears throat> okay. Now, you all, I've, got, I've just got veterans in here. You guys all know the rules. You know, you have, if you have the answer, raise your hand. Uh, don't shout out the answer because we can't, can't help you with that. But, but raise your hand. And I've got Mr. Bill back there who is going to keep an eye on who gets their hand up first. If you answer, the, if you answer a question correctly, then please wait until everyone has answered an, a, a question, and then you can possibly get another one. I've got what? Uh, is is Miss Rosario going to? Yes, no? She can't. I, 
<laughs> I don't mind asking Rosario direct questions because she tells me her mind. So, okay, it, it's fine. She can participate if she wants to. So, all right. So, number one, true or false? True or false? <laughs> Not yet, Asher. He's like, he's like this. All right, true or false? Even though God did not ask the woman from Shunem to help Elisha, she decided to help him on her own. Is that true or false? I think that was Samuel. That's true. All right, come on up. All right, Samuel. I remember, you got to wait for everyone else to answer. I'm going to give him some water. I'm kind of parched. All right, number two. True or false? Elisha made a big deal about how he was a prophet of God to the woman. And her husband, whatever he dropped in, he made a big deal about it. I think that was Luke. That's false. <laughs> you got it. All right, number three. True or false? Even though the woman did not ask for a son, God knew it had been a dream of hers, and he restored it to her. I didn't see that one. It looked like it, it, looked like it was, t you, you think it was Asher? Asher? Yeah, that's true. You got it. Come on up. Number four, true or false? True or false? After her son died, the woman laid him on the bed, shut the door, and gave up on him. That's Briley. False. She got it. Come on up. Choose how much nougat or caramel you like. All right. Number five, true or false? When the woman wept at Elisha's feet, he started to panic because God had not told him what the problem was. Asher, you already went. We've got to go with Timothy this time. And I think, I think I have enough questions still. So, Timothy? False. You've got it. All right. Number six, true or false? Jesus told, wait, that's everybody, right? Unless, uh, unless okay, so I'm, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the all negative signal, so I'm going to move on. All right. Number six. Jesus told us that when we make a decision for God, trouble will come later. <laughs> it was close. I looked up right when everyone had already had their hands up. So, Okay, so we're going with Samuel. That's true. Yes. Um, yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. That's... <laughs> not, not this time, but yes, in the past you have. All right. True or false? After trouble comes, if we give up on God, what, he, what has been lost to us will stay lost. That was Asher. You want to hear it again? You, you, no, that one's true. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. If we, if we give up on God, our dreams will stay lost. All right, number eight, true or false, God can restore dreams that we have given up on. Is that Timothy? True, you got it. All right. Number nine, even though there were big things going on in Israel at that time, God still cared about a little family from Shunem. <laughs> Someone's like, True. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it, it was Luke that said, "Yes, Luke, it's it's true, and you were first. I'll I'll give it to you, but I'll, I'll I, I'm letting you I'm letting it slide because, yeah, don't shout out the answers now. Okay, I got I've got one more. Yeah, you whisper it to the guy sitting next to you. 
No, he knew the answer. I heard him say true. All right. Now, true or false? Last one. This is the last one. It does not matter who you, uh, who you are, what you do for a living. God can still use you for his plans. Was that Briley? Yeah? Okay. That's true. She got it. All right, everybody. That's all I got. You are dismissed. Well done.